0: Good morning. Welcome to NTD.
1: Good morning. Here are our top stories. The House impeaches President Biden's top border official, sending articles to the Senate. Reactions to Republicans' efforts to remove DHS Secretary Mayorkas.
0: President Biden urging the House to take up the foreign aid package without border provisions. That's as Georgia's governor takes steps to help Texas stop illegal crossings.
1: Democrats pick up a House seat after George Santos' expulsion, further narrowing Republicans' razor thin majority. Results of the special election in New York's 3rd Congressional District.
0: Israel's army releases Hamas tunnel CCTV footage said to show terrorist leader Yahya Sinwar. More on an underground compound found under Han Yunus.
1: Schools closed, flights canceled, power knocked out, the latest round of winter storms impacting millions across the Northeast, and ending New York City's years-long snow drought.
0: Stocks plummet as the Dow suffers its biggest loss in 11 months. What this means for your money with the host of entity Business.
1: Are you a man-breaker instead of a kingmaker, or could you be deactivating the superhero in your partner? NTD speaks with an author and relationship coach about her new book.
2: This is NTD Good Morning. Live from our global headquarters, here are Evelyn Lee and Kevin Hogan.
0: Welcome to NTD.
1: Welcome everyone. Today is Wednesday, February 14th and such interesting time since we're watching history unfold with such a rare impeachment of a cabinet official.
0: Yeah, the last time was in 1876 over the war secretary, President Grant, who was taking these shady kickbacks from a Wheeler dealer.
1: Well, wow, yeah, so we'll definitely keep a close eye on that. And that's today's top news. The House of Representatives voted to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas yesterday. He's the first cabinet secretary to be impeached in close to 150
0: years. Articles of impeachment will now be sent to the Senate. Senators are set to be sworn in as jurors after returning from recess at the end of this month. And today's Jeremy Sandberg has more.
3: On this vote, the yeas are 214 and the nays are 213. The resolution is adopted.
4: The House approved two articles of impeachment, accusing Mayorkas of willfully and systematically refusing to enforce immigration laws and making false statements to Congress on border security. Speaker Mike Johnson on X called the impeachment a constitutional obligation, claiming the DHS secretary was fueling the worst border catastrophe in American history. Three Republicans voted against the measure Representatives Mike Gallagher, Tom McClintock, and Ken Buck. Congressman Buck called it a policy difference after the vote, that in his view didn't qualify as high crime and misdemeanor. You can uh, try to put lipstick on this pig, it is still a pig, and this is a a terrible impeachment. It sets a terrible precedent. Buck says an impeachment needs to be broadly bipartisan, and that it was wrong for Johnson to bring the vote to the floor. Speakers need to be uh, above the fray, and they need to take into account the, the reputation of the institution. It's only the second time in U.S. history, and the first time in close to 150 years, that the House has impeached a member of a President's cabinet. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer's office stated senators will be sworn in as jurors at the end of this month. The Democratic-led chamber is unlikely to oust Mayorkas It would take a two-thirds majority vote. Schumer called the case a sham, and a new low for House Republicans done to appease former President Trump. House Majority Leader Steve Scalise, returning in remission from cancer, bolstered the GOP vote. He urged the Senate to take the impeachment seriously. People from, uh, from you know, on the terrorist watch list are coming over, human trafficking is going on, drugs are being brought in uh, to the point where we're losing 150 people who are dying every single day from fentanyl. I mean, it's a major crisis. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene first started the impeachment effort in November last year. She will serve as an impeachment manager in a potential Senate trial.
5: My message to the Senate is they should look at the polling and they know that our border security is the number one issue in every single campaign in every single state.
4: Maricus, in a recent letter to Congress called for lawmakers to solve what he called a historically divisive issue through legislation. President Biden decried the vote as a blatant act of unconstitutional partisanship. The Department of Homeland Security after the House vote accused Republicans of trampling on the Constitution. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News.
0: For analysis on Mayorkas' impeachment, we speak to Hugh Fike, the Director of Government Relations at the Conservative Partnership Institute. Hugh, we value your input on this. What's next now that Mayorkas has been impeached? Walk us through the step-by-step process of this historic occurrence.
3: Well, they'll have to transmit uh, over to the Senate uh, impeachment jurors, so that'll represent, um, as you mentioned, uh, Congressman Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia will be on that list and a handful of others. They'll go over to the Senate, and, uh, and then, yeah, when they return, from, when the Senate returns from the President's Day weekend, they'll have to take it up. No uh, other business is, uh, is available to be taken up until this is disposed of.
0: And, Hugh, will this impeachment amount to anything, considering that Democrats control the Senate, and a conviction is highly unlikely?
3: Well, conservatives and certainly uh, you know, Americans across the country think it will, in, in part because it is a constitutional obligation to provide accountability when the law is being willfully neglected. So, you know, people want to debate whether or not this is going to pass the Senate. But I think that's not actually the thing that needs to be focused on. What needs to be focused on is the case that's going to be made for his impeachment.
0: Right, exactly. And, you know, Democrats say that this impeachment doesn't meet the bar for a high crime. Yet an immigration analyst, Jessica Vaughn, she told me that the three year time span under which Mayorkas was operating in these questionable actions, that's her claim to make that he's just refusing to comply with the law by design. Now, yet DHS says the impeachment is unconstitutional. Is there anything in this process that suggests that's the case?
3: Well, Jessica Vaughn is, uh, you know, the foremost expert in a lot of these issues. And so, um, you know, what she has to say is is exactly right. I, the Homeland Security Committee took a year to lay out the constitutional case for willful neglect of enforcing the laws. I mean, this is a pretty big, uh, you know, uh, charge. So, you know, people that are playing this down and saying these aren't, uh, you know, constitutional charges are, are flatly wrong because um, it is actually the responsibility of the administration to enforce the law, and not doing so uh, constitutes, and certainly uh, the House's eyes, an impeachment.
0: So, this has been a big point of argument. Is there a high crime that Majorcus is likely guilty of based on your expert assessment? And if so, can you please explain that in detail?
3: Well, yeah, as I said, I think that the um, the willful neglect and then certainly lying before Congress, which he's being charged with, um, is is certainly uh, falls into that category. Um, you know the, like I said, the House, uh, you know Homeland Security Committee has taken over a year to dissect this case. They had expert witnesses. Um, they had a couple panels show up before uh, their impeachment vote in the committee uh, talking about this specifically and saying that, the, you know, they did consider this as uh, worthy of that. And so when, you know, the House pressed forward, they did so on very, uh, very solid constitutional grounds. Um, and to, you know, to kind of downplay and say that, you know, this doesn't meet a bar, I think, is is uh, undermining the the hard and long work that the House uh, H- Homeland Security Committee went through.
0: Well, House Republicans were able to make this happen after the Utah representative just changed his vote to no at the last minute, kind of setting up the stage for all this. So, what's the most compelling piece of evidence brought forward against Mayorkas in your view?
3: Well, as you said, yeah. So the Congressman Utah um, had to, you know, vote the other side in order to be able to call it back up, and now it came back up, and they passed it last night um, due to you know Congressman Scalise coming back. Um, but I think when you look at the, the overall dereliction of duty is, is probably the case that's strongest. Um, you know, under uh, President Trump, we had uh, very low uh, encounters at the borders and that's because he took it upon himself as a chief, chief executive to, to enforce the laws and use the, his power, his discretion. And so to, to totally take, take that and set it aside and say, whatever happens at the border is not my fault is truly uh, you know, a, 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 a misstep. Um, And folks say that this is just the, the, you know, the home office sort of weighing in. And that certainly is true. Um, But, you know, the secretary can, um, you know, certainly enforce laws and push back. And he's setting administrative law by issuing rules and, uh, you know, verdicts and edicts um, from the Homeland Security uh, uh, Administration. And so it's definitely his responsibility to make sure that the border is tight and as tight as it can be and that the Border Patrol has the resources they need in order to, you know,
0: safely maintain the security of this country. Well, thank you for your analysis on this, Hugh Fike, director of government relations at the Conservative Partnership Institute. Thank you. And for more analysis on the House's impeachment of Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, you can visit our tune into NTD News today at 11 a.m. Eastern. Former Border Patrol Chief Rodney Scott will be joining Stephanie Cox at the top of the show to share his thoughts on the impeachment and what's next for the border crisis. So don't miss it.
1: President Biden yesterday called on House Republicans to take up a supplemental spending bill that would send 60 billion dollars to Ukraine.
0: The president said there's no question the bill would pass if brought to the House floor, urging House Speaker Mike Johnson to do so.
2: For Republicans in Congress who think they can oppose funding for Ukraine and not be held accountable, history is watching, history is watching, history is watching. Failure to support Ukraine at this critical moment will never be forgotten.
1: The Senate yesterday passed an over $95 billion aid package for Ukraine, Israel and Taiwan. The vote came after a small group of Republicans opposed to the bill held the
0: Senate floor through the night. They used the final hours of debate to argue that the U.S. should focus on its own problems before sending more money overseas. But 22 Republicans voted with nearly all Democrats to pass the package 70-29. to
1: Bill supporters argued that abandoning Ukraine could embolden Russian President Vladimir Putin and threaten national security across the globe. Biden said opposing the package would be, quote, playing into Putin's hands.
0: Speaker Johnson has signaled he won't bring the bill to the House floor, leaving its fate uncertain.
1: Giving states more power to defend themselves, a new bill introduced by Congressman Matt Gates would codify states' rights to secure the southern border. This as Georgia's governor prepares to send more resources to Texas. Entities Ariane Pastar has a border update.
6: Florida Rep. Matt Gates on Tuesday introduced the State Border Security Act. The bill would prohibit the federal government from removing any fencing set up by state governments within 25 miles of the southern border. This comes in response to the Supreme Court last month allowing the Biden administration to remove razor wire installed by Texas. Gates says that since the Biden administration refuses to take action, Congress must empower states to defend themselves. Meanwhile, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp made a major border announcement.
7: We have no choice, no choice but to step in. Therefore, I'm announcing today that in addition to the Georgia Guardsmen already stationed at the border, we will send reinforcements to Texas this spring who will assist with the construction of a forward command post on the border with Mexico.
6: Now, the governor says the group of soldiers will include those with mechanical and engineering skills. His announcement comes after state lawmakers passed multiple resolutions condemning President Biden's border policy. The lawmakers say they're backing the governor's plan to support Texas. Georgia is at least the third Republican-led state where lawmakers have introduced resolutions to support Texas Governor Greg Abbott after Oklahoma and Tennessee. And lastly, illegal immigration continues having a real-life impact in cities across the U.S. Denver is cutting services at its DMV offices and reducing parks and recreation programs. That's to offset the cost of caring for illegal immigrants. The mayor's announcement is now making headlines.
4: This is a plan for shared sacrifice. This is what good people do in hard situations as you try to manage a way
0: to serve all of your values. We have to find a way to deliver shared
8: sacrifice to try to manage those values in the road ahead.
6: A congressional candidate commented, saying they're calling it shared sacrifice. Sounds like communism. Arianne Pastar, NTD News.
1: Turning our attention over to the Middle East, Israel's military released security camera footage from a tunnel under Han Yunus yesterday. The IDF identified a man in the video as Hamas leader Yahya
0: Sinwar. Israel says the video was taken a few days after Hamas's October 7th terrorist attack.
1: IDF spokesman Daniel Hagari says the army is combing through intelligence files seized during operations. He says the IDF found multiple videos of Sinwar. He accused the Hamas leader in Gaza of hiding like a coward while people above ground suffer.
0: Hagari identified the other people in the video as Sinwar's wife, children, and brother. The army also released a video of a tunnel compound where it says Sinwar recently hid.
1: The tunnel compound had a bathroom and kitchen with stockpiles of food, including bags bearing logos of the UN Relief Agency in Gaza.
0: And Israel Defense Forces are preparing to advance into Rafah. At the same time, negotiations are underway for a hostage and ceasefire deal.
9: Israel's top spy chief was in Cairo, Egypt, on Tuesday to continue ceasefire and hostage talks. Negotiators from Qatar, the United States, and Egypt were present, including CIA Director Bill Burns. A senior Egyptian official said mediators have achieved what he described as relatively significant progress. Hamas says it considers the next 24 hours of the negotiations as critical. The terrorist group said they will send a delegation to Cairo if current talks progress further. The leader of Lebanon's Hezbollah terrorist group said they would halt attacks on Israel if a ceasefire is reached.
10: When there is a ceasefire in Gaza, we will stop in the south. And when the Israeli army conducts any activity, we will resume based on the rules of engagement.
9: Israel has proposed a two month ceasefire. Hostages would be freed in exchange for the release of Palestinian prisoners in Israel. Hamas, on the other hand, proposed a -a four-and-a-half-month ceasefire. It would require Israel to withdraw from Gaza and end the war. This negotiation comes as the Israeli military prepares to go into the city of Rafah. The Israel Defense Forces said they have not yet submitted an evacuation plan to the government. The Biden administration and the United Nations have expressed concerns that the military operations in Rafah would create disasters for Palestinian civilians. Israel said it will draw up an evacuation plan for civilians and defended its need to conduct military operations in Rafah. Reporting by Allison Lee, NTD News.
0: Could a possible prisoner exchange happen between Russia and the U.S.? The Kremlin refused to comment on the state of negotiations when asked today. It restated that such cases must be resolved in silence. The U.S. is seeking the release of former Marine Paul Whelan and reporter Evan Gerskovich, both held in Russian prisons on spy charges they deny. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said yesterday that he had spoken to Whelan in a rare phone call Russian President Vladimir Putin suggested in an interview with American journalist Tucker Carlson last week that in return for Gershkovich, Moscow wants Germany to free Vadim Khrushchev. Khrushchev was convicted of murdering a Chechen dissident in Berlin.
1: A powerful, fast-moving winter storm hit the Northeast, dumping more than a foot of snow on parts of New England yesterday after ending New York City's snow drought. The weather created a messy commute for millions of Americans, forcing schools to close and cancelling flights across the region. At least one person has died.
11: More than 30 million people from West Virginia to New England were under a winter storm warning on Tuesday, according to the National Weather Service. Some areas in Pennsylvania, New Jersey and Connecticut were hit with 15 inches of snow. Nearly 150,000 Pennsylvania residents were without power, according to poweroutage.us. I was uh, in our house near our bedroom and my wife was actually up working already and we heard a crack and the crack is what gave it away. New Hampshire residents saw flooding and high waves on the coast.
10: Just with the flooding down here and stuff that we heard about, we came down to look at it and see how bad it actually is, I've never seen
12: this before.
11: More than 1,100 flights to and from New York, Boston, and New Jersey airports were delayed or canceled, according to FlightAware.com. The National Weather Service said Boston received less snow than predicted, with southern Massachusetts getting the brunt of the storm. School districts across the region canceled classes for the day or switched to remote learning, including in New York City. The three to eight inches of snow there ended in almost two-year-long snow drought. Some people enjoyed the weather.
13: Uh, the kids are happy because they're off school today, um, and maybe tomorrow if it keeps snowing like this. It's a great snow though because make a snowball. It's a wet, wet snow, <laughs> so it's fun snow. I enjoy the
14: weather today a lot. Kind of happy our boss gave us the day off um, just so we can enjoy the way that the waves are moving, and you know. Whether the snow comes or it just rains, I just, I'm excited by nature's power.
11: State and city governments advise people to stay indoors and avoid driving. In Pennsylvania, one man died when his snowmobile hit a downed power line.
0: Coming up, Tom Swazi wins a special election in Long Island, giving Democrats another seat in the House, narrowing Republicans already razor thin majority.
1: Conservatives in the House are pushing for a warrant requirement in the new bill to reauthorize a powerful but controversial surveillance program. Lawmakers say they're concerned about Americans' data privacy. Welcome back. Democrat Tom Swasey edged out Republican Mazi Pillip in a special election in New York.
0: He flipped the seat, formerly occupied by ousted Republican George Santos.
4: Swazi won in New York's third congressional district on Tuesday. The seat's former occupant was Republican George Santos, who was expelled from Congress last year. This victory means the Democratic Party gains another seat in an already precariously balanced house. Despite the dirty tricks, despite the vaunted Nassau County
8: Republican machine.
4: We won. Tom Swazi previously served in the House of Representatives from 2017 to 2023 for the same district. He's a familiar face to Long Islanders, holding various positions in Nassau County in the last 30 years. His opponent, Republican County lawmaker, Mozzie Pillup, is lesser known, but she had the Nassau County Republican Party supporting her campaign. Both candidates are staunch supporters of Israel in its war against Hamas. The outcome of this special election will have a big impact on Capitol Hill, where the Republican majority is razor thin. During his campaign, Swazi focused on immigration. He declared his support for the bipartisan deal to address the border crisis and criticized Pilip for her opposition. Pilip took a hardline position on immigration. In her campaign, she criticized Swazi and the Democratic Party, accusing them of failing to control border crossings. She was also endorsed by a labor union for border patrol officers.
13: We are fighters. Yes, we lost, but it doesn't mean we're going to end here.
4: With a record-setting number of illegal crossings, immigration has become a top issue leading up to the general election
0: to give us some analysis on the flipped House seat. We hear from Bart Marcois, a former presidential campaign policy advisor and former Department of Energy official for international affairs. Bart, great to have you with us. What adjustments are House Republicans going to have to make to their strategy now that their majority is shrinking? Will they have to get more Democrats to break party lines if they have some defectors within their conference to get things done?
2: Oh, you bet, unless they can somehow enforce discipline the way the Democrats do. The Republican caucus, has never been as disciplined as the uh, Democrat caucus is. The Democrats vote in lockstep. The Republicans always have defectors. If they have no defectors, well, then they can still win their votes. But I mean, you can do the math. They, they're down to what two votes now? Um, two defectors, uh, and and they lose. So yeah, they're going to have to. They're going to have to either enforce party discipline like they've never done before or they're gonna have to craft things to to, uh, get some Democrats to vote with them.
0: Yeah, and to your point, we've seen a couple defectors here in the Mayorkas impeachment vote and a little insight into Congressman Swazi. He's been involved in the political sphere for a while, attempting to win the governorship of New York twice, but to no avail. But back on the national scale, what are some major bills that are in the House right now that are gonna be impacted by this new representative in the mix?
2: Well the uh the big one of course is uh the border and and uh and equally big and 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 it'll be considered first chronologically are the uh the the, the bill to aid uh, Ukraine Israel and Taiwan and uh and send more money to Gaza the uh, the that's they're they're go- that's going to be the toughest debate right there they're going to have to Uh, hold firm if they're gonna stop that that uh, foreign aid funding bill and they're gonna have to hold firm if they're gonna get uh, anything that makes sense passed on the border they're also going to be facing bills uh, that are scheduled this week they're not as sexy but they're uh, scheduled for votes uh, on um, regulatory reform and on uh, uh, ending ending uh, commerce with uh, uh, on on things made by slave labor by the Uyghurs in China, things like that, important bills, but uh, they don't get as much attention. All of those are going to be party line votes and it's going to be difficult.
0: Hugely consequential flip seat here and a little more on Swazi. He's always been talking about working across party lines to get things done. Now, do representatives do does this win by representative swazi now give a comeback to new york democrats here i mean are they changing their narrative heading into november
2: uh, it is a it's a blow to the republicans it does not it does not necessarily boost the democrats except that it gives a blow to republican hopes um the, mazi was a long shot against uh, against uh, mati was a long shot against swazi uh, she was a great candidate, in my opinion. I had real hopes for her. I, I'm. I, I think uh, it's great to have more diversity in the uh, Republican Party, and to have somebody who is an an Ethiopian uh, uh, a Jew, somebody who has um, fought in the Israeli Defense Forces, and is a proud legal immigrant to the United States. All of those are great stories for her to tell, and by shutting her down the Democrats have have won a victory. I don't think that this has a a predictive effect for November, except in terms of the ability of Democrats to organize their voters so much better than Republicans do. Maybe it's a warning call for the new RNC chairman and uh, and vice chairman. We need to have better funded uh, campaigns and we need to have more campaign integrity, ballot integrity work, which I think that they will try to do.
0: Well, it's great having your analysis. Bart Marcoyes, former presidential campaign policy advisor and former energy department official for international affairs.
2: Thanks, Kevin. Goodbye.
1: And a section of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, or FISA, Is under scrutiny. A bill reauthorizing
0: Section 702 is making its way to the House floor this week. But some Republican lawmakers say it's missing a key clause requiring a warrant before authorizing surveillance on U.S. citizens.
4: Section 702 of FISA allows the U.S. government to spy on non-citizens located outside the United States. But the program also collects data on Americans. House Republicans have unveiled a new package to change and reauthorize the program. The Rules Committee plans to consider it on Wednesday. The new bill includes changes for the FBI, but does not include a warrant requirement. Members of the Conservative sure House Freedom Caucus say it should.
8: What it At the end of the day, we've got to make sure that our government
15: can't keep spying on its citizens without a warrant.
11: Not one of these members has a problem with spying on foreign actors that are going to take some... Uh, malicious action toward the United States of America or our citizens. Not one of us has a problem with that. But when it comes to the rights of American citizens, of Americans, we have a huge problem with that. And if they can't abide getting a warrant and probable cause to go after American citizens, quite honestly, they shouldn't be serving in this body at all.
4: Section 702 was due to expire at the end of 2023. but lawmakers temporarily extended it until April this year. Congressman Andy Biggs wants more oversight into the functioning of federal bodies. Let's
12: have, let's have members of Congress be able to, to monitor more closely what goes on in the, in the Fisk Court and their proceedings. Congressman Bob Good took
4: issue with the idea that requiring a warrant and increased oversight would hinder law enforcement.
12: During
8: the larger debate, you'll hear false narratives about this bill, supposedly restricting law enforcement from doing their job and hampering our ability to keep the country safe. And those claims,
4: frankly, are false. Republican lawmakers and privacy advocates are raising concern that the intelligence community may be misusing data collected through FISA. Just ahead,
0: Republicans demanding a transcript of President Biden's interview with the special counsel, how the White House is responding, and a new poll reveals Americans' thoughts about Biden's classified documents case.
1: And where are the missing financial records? A defense attorney in the Georgia Rico case says she has evidence that two invoices were paid, but Fulton County hasn't produced them. How this will impact D.A. Fanny Willis's defense to allegations of impropriety after the break. Good to have you back. House Republicans are demanding transparency into President Biden's interviews with special counsel
0: Robert Hur. They also want the special counsel himself to testify about Biden's mental acuity. And today's White House correspondent Iris Tau tells us more.
5: The report which called out President Biden's quote poor memory but also reasoned against prosecuting President Biden for his handling of classified documents is now prompting Republicans in Congress to demand more answers. Three House committee chairs are now giving the Justice Department until next Monday to turn over a transcript of Biden's interview with Special Counsel Robert Hur, along with any recordings related to it. Republicans say it's needed for their impeachment inquiry into President Biden adding that they want to find out if any of the classified documents that Biden retained were actually related to any of the foreign country that his families was allegedly doing business with. And another reason they say is that they want to see if the Justice Department was being even handed in its treatment with former President Trump and with President Biden. And President Trump has been calling out what he called a 2 tier justice system. But some Democrats are now accusing Republicans of spreading propaganda about President Biden's mental acuity.
16: Watch. He's fine. All this right-wing propaganda that his mental acuity has declined is wrong. He's going to win the election because he has a great record.
5: A poll released on Tuesday by Reuters shows that more than half of Americans think that President Biden got special treatment as the president for not getting charged for his handling of classified documents. Republicans are also reportedly trying to get special counsel Robert Hurst to testify about his report on Biden. The White House, meanwhile, has not ruled out releasing a redacted version of the transcript of Biden's interview with her, saying his lawyers are looking into it. Reporting from the White House, Iris Tao, NTD News.
1: And in two days, a hearing in Fulton County, Georgia, is expected to reveal if two Trump-RICO case prosecutors are financially benefiting from the case.
0: But a defense attorney says the county and the district attorney's office haven't turned over crucial financial records. NTD's legal correspondent has more on the potential impact of that and other Trump case updates.
13: Judge Scott McAfee, who's presiding over the Trump-Georgia-RICO case, has decided to move forward with an evidentiary hearing on Thursday, despite missing financial documents. The missing documents could pose another hurdle for District Attorney Fonnie Willis to overcome and may raise more questions about whether she is abusing county funds. A defense attorney representing defendant Michael Roman said in a hearing Monday that the D.A.'s office and Fulton County haven't turned over several records requested.
9: For example, Um, as far as that they've given us everything they have, they have not. Um, As far as the first bullet point, we do not have invoice number 22 or 25. It's not been attached to anybody's pleadings. It's not anywhere, any place. Okay,
13: the attorney is seeking evidence that would show that top prosecutor Nathan Wade, who's in a romantic relationship with Willis, was paid a higher salary than the other prosecutors working on the case. Willis has said all of the prosecutors were paid the same salary. But the Guardian reports that records released by her office to date show that Wade has billed more than half a million dollars to the county for work on the case. When Judge McAfee pressed the DA's attorney, Sandy Monroe, for an explanation about the missing invoices, this happened.
4: So, Ms. Monroe, is invoice 22 or 25 something that's in the possession of Fulton County?
13: The judge then asked who would have those invoices, and the county records custodian said this The district attorney, and we'll follow up with our client, but it's our understanding that they've provided the records they do have. I'm, I'm not sure why the Twenty Five 25 not be a part of those records. Wade's salary has been called into question as part of Roman's claims that Willis is financially benefiting from the sprawling RICO indictment filed against Trump and 18 other defendants. He alleges that Wade is using his county earnings to take Willis on lavish vacations.
9: We have quite a few documentations that we have attached to filings, and we have more that we intend to present at the hearing in this case to show that she did receive a lot of benefit, a lot of financial benefit in the forms of different trips, um, plane tickets, hotel rooms, Ubers,
13: dinners, things like that. The judge said a county representative would have to testify on Thursday about the missing records. At the Supreme Court, Chief Justice John Roberts gave Special Counsel Jack Smith one week to respond to Trump's request to delay the election interference trial. Trump is seeking more time to appeal a unanimous appellate court decision denying his claim of presidential immunity. According to a court docket, Smith must respond by Tuesday at 5 p.m. And in New York, Trump is expected to attend a hearing Thursday in the Stormy Daniels-Hush Money indictment brought against him. The court will address Trump's motions to dismiss the case. If the motions are denied, the trial in this 34-count felony case could begin as early as March 25th. Arlene Richards, NTD News.
1: Chicago will stop using its gunshot detection system later this year. Mayor Brandon Johnson's office said yesterday the shot spotter contract will not be renewed after it runs out on Friday. The tool uses a network of microphones to identify gunshots. It's been criticized though for inaccuracy, misuse and allegations of racial bias. The system is used in around 150 cities. Johnson, a 1st her mayor, campaigned on a promise to end shot spotter use. That puts him at odds with police leaders who argue crime rates, not race, determine where the tool is deployed. Chicago plans to pull the plug in late September. The city has spent roughly $50 million on the system since 2018.
0: Stay with us, the Dow Jones suffering its biggest losses in 11 months after a worse than expected inflation report. What this means for your investments.
1: An earnings typo sends Lyft stock soaring. After the correction, the company is still up 17%. The details with Entity Business host Don Ma after the break. To have you back and joining us now is NTD Business host Don Ma to give us the latest update from the financial world.
15: Don, let's hear an update. Okay, so two main things I wanted to talk to you guys about. Uh, number one is inflation, and the other thing is we're sort of seeing some trouble when it comes to Chinese stocks. Okay, so I'll start with uh, with the inflation. Um, Yesterday, so we had the big inflation report, as we all know from the Department of Labor Statistics. So it came in hotter than expected. um, And this is uh, compared to what some economists and analysts had expected. And because all eyes right now are on the Fed uh, for rate cuts, a higher than expected inflation report is not good news for those who are hoping for rate cuts sooner than later. Uh, So now, because of this report, uh, Federal Reserve policymakers wanting to uh, have more evidence of easing price pressures, may find themselves uh, having to perhaps wait a little bit longer uh, to lower interest rates. So, uh, consumer price index yesterday came in at 3.1% in January. Uh, Core inflation rose 3.9% from a year earlier, so that's the same for a second straight month. Now, this stickiness uh, is not going to give the Fed confidence that inflation uh, is actually on a path uh, to their 2% goal.
1: Right, so not really good news there. How did the market react to that?
15: So yeah, uh, Wall Street's main indexes tumbled yesterday on the news. The Dow Jones Industrial Average in particular posting its biggest one-day percentage drop in nearly 11 months. Uh, and this is after the inflation data. Uh, so afterwards, traders actually betting for a reduction in, in May. Uh, Dropped. Uh, that's in terms of uh, bets for rate cuts. Uh, they dropped. Uh, S&P 500, Nasdaq, and the Dow all dropped over one percent. Uh, so it seems like, uh, to answer your question, markets are taking it pretty hard because uh, potentially it puts a nail in the coffin for early Fed rate cuts.
0: Yeah, the price rise at three percent is really cutting into those analyst predictions of a faster slowdown. But I guess it's not happening. But what about Chinese stocks? What's happening there?
15: Yes. uh, So, the global index provider MSCI is removing a swath of Chinese stocks from its indexes. So, what MSCI is most known for is, uh, to put simply, making lists uh, based on different categories of stocks and showing how companies are doing. Um, So, its largest quarterly review, uh, MSCI is removing 66 companies from its China index, so this is the highest number in at least two years. Uh, so, the removal of Chinese stocks come amid worries about China's uh, troubled economy, including a struggling property market and weak consumer spending. So, this is al- also amid uh, pessimism about the China and Hong Kong stock markets. And this is significant uh, because funds that are following the MSCI China index will have to remove uh, the, or remove the companies from their portfolios. So that's potentially uh, less money going to those stocks. And this could likely weaken an already struggling Chinese equities mm-hmm. market. So overall, um, some background information here. Inclusion in the MSCI index is, is seen as a mark of prestige and, and can have significant impacts for a company's visibility and investor perception uh, while on the other hand removal from these indexes may uh, lead to decreased investor confidence and interest so it could potentially be impacting the company's stock price and long-term performance if they are removed
1: right yes something's brewing in china it seems <clears throat> but we want to take it back to american stocks there was a little bit of a mishap with lyft there so can fill us in on that
15: sure so when it comes to lyft uh the company beat estimates for a quarterly profit yesterday, despite a major mistake. Now, Lyft incorrectly said that its gross margin would expand by 500 points. Now, later, Lyft's CFO corrected the forecast to an increase of 50 points, so a major difference there. A securities lawyer at the block Levishan said the mistake could spark lawsuits as investors try to recover losses. Shares were uh, still up 17% in after-hours trade and Lyft kept a 29% market share in the fourth quarter.
0: Talk about a goof up, man, and you know Lyft is still struggling to keep up with Uber as its stock value is down 85% since its listing in 2017. But Don, really appreciate your updates today. Don my host of Entity Business. Yeah, my Thank pleasure. You, Stay with us, Valentine's Day is here. A former Miss America pageant winner and relationship coach shares her advice for women to keep their relationships thriving.
1: And a wheelchair-bound adventurer is looking to break records in an attempt to ski across the South Pole. Hear his incredible story, coming up.
0: Great to have you back with us. A wheelchair-bound adventurer is trying to set a world record. He will attempt to ski across the South Pole. This is part of his effort to promote vital research for
1: spinal cord injuries. And today's Andrew Thomas has the latest on the Endeavor.
16: Darren Edwards became paralyzed from the chest down in 2016 after a rock climbing accident in Wales. The British adventurer will attempt to travel 207 miles across the South Pole in December.
8: So the idea for the the South Pole um, expedition really was born many, many years ago, reading, you know, stories of Shackleton and, and Captain Scott and kind of that being a world that I
16: wished one day I would would explore and go to. Edwards will use an adapted skiing device with crutches attached to his hands. He'll have to rely on his upper body strength to move. Edwards and his team will track through the snow and ice for up to 12 hours each day. They will carry more than 170 pounds of gear. Um, The reward for finishing 11
8: hours of skiing in minus 20 or minus 30 um, is to set up the tent, set up camp. To start the process of readying yourself for the next day, rehydrating,
16: re energizing, melting snow for water. Edwards hopes his expedition will raise more than 300,000 pounds, or roughly $380,000 in public donations. The funds will go to the Spinal Cord Injury Foundation Wings for Life for research on treatments. An estimated 300,000 people suffer a spinal cord injury worldwide annually. Edwards hopes that his upcoming record attempt will inspire the world. Andrew Thomas, NTT News. That's
0: a daring adventure, and the fact that it's so novel hopefully will bring a lot of publicity.
1: Right, yeah, he's a living and breathing representation of the question, what's your excuse? Anyway, while today is also Valentine's Day. It's not just a holiday for significant others, though.
0: You can show affection to friends, family, and of course, pets. Valentine's
1: Day is believed to have started long ago. It derived from the feast for the patron saint's valentine. Historians tell the story of one saint who married couples in secret to prevent men from going to war. In the 1400s, the day became associated with romance. People started writing letters and poems declaring their love and calling them valentines.
0: Today, some 180 million cards are exchanged each year, and florists prepare nearly 2 million roses for the day. The average person is expected to spend more than $100 showering their loved ones with gifts. So romantic. (laughs) It is a special holiday. Yeah, it's good knowing the history of it.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Valentine's Day is, of course, when people get a chance to show that special person in their lives how much they mean to them, but not everyone has found bliss in their romantic lives.
0: And today's Daniel Monahan spoke with the author of a new book released today that has some advice for women who are looking for happily ever after.
10: Former Miss America Joanna Harabedian is the author of the new book, Seven Mistakes Women Make That Repel a Good Man and How to Reverse Them which launches on Valentine's Day. Herabedian feels there's too much female domination and emasculation of men in modern culture, which she sees as contributing to the high failure rate of marriages. One thing she believes women do that may sabotage their relationships is being what she calls a superhero deactivator, taking that need and desire to be a hero away from their man. She interviewed a lot of men to get their take
14: the biggest thing that they told me, and it was across the board, that the most important opinion to them is the one of their wife, their woman, their girlfriend. And so when she operates in these superhero deactivator behaviors, it's like taking a knife and just stabbing him in the heart.
10: Another principle in Harabedian's book is what she calls how to be a kingmaker, not a man breaker. Harabedian describes a man she interviewed who took his girlfriend to a nice restaurant.
14: She, he took her to a beautiful dinner and had bought her flowers and tried to really honor her. And at the dinner table in this beautiful restaurant, she complained that the flowers weren't really her favorite colors. She complained that the card that he took the time to write <laughs> didn't say enough. And then she found something to complain about the, the, the menu at a beautiful restaurant.
10: Learning how to receive a compliment is something the former Miss America feels many women struggle with.
14: And these are common things that women do. So you bring this into a marriage, your husband compliments you, oh, you look great, oh, you're just saying that, you just want something, because I've heard that response. It's very common. So now what happens, you basically trained him how to not compliment you anymore, because when you do, you're not going to believe him and essentially calling him a liar.
10: Harabedian thinks that modern culture breeds a spirit of entitlement.
14: It's about my needs being met, what you can do for me, uh, how I can use you. So it's a mindset that is a taking mindset. It's not a mutually, how do I serve this person and how does this person help me in a healthy way?
10: Harabedian says that one in four people are lonely. She hopes her book and the exercises in it can help them come out of that lonely place and find inner joy that leads to happiness. Her book can be purchased on Amazon or at SevenMistakesBook.com. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
1: I mean, it's a great day for a reminder to show your significant other always this appreciation and, of course, respect.
0: Yeah, and relationship harmony is just so important.
1: Yeah. All right, we're heading to a quick break. We'll be back in just a couple of seconds, so stay tuned.
8: NTD News, the fastest-growing independent news source in America, bringing you breaking news from around the world, expert analysis, investigative reporting, and original award-winning documentaries. We're known for our uncensored China coverage you won't find anywhere else. We cover the stories that affect you and shape our world without the political noise. We report from the heart with you in mind. Watch us right here on NTD News.
0: Good morning, welcome to NTD.
1: Good morning, here are our top stories. In a historic vote, House Republicans impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. We speak to an analyst to explain the next steps and whether the push to oust him is constitutional.
0: A flipped seat in the House, the special election in the district of disgraced former GOP Representative George Santos results in a victory for Democrat Tom Suozzi. How this will impact national politics.
1: Georgia Governor Brian Kemp denounces the Biden administration on border policy. Hear his plan to help Texas combat illegal immigration.
0: Israel's army releases Hamas tunnel CCTV footage said to show terrorist leader Yahya Sinwar. More in an underground compound found under Han Yunus.
1: A subway shooting in the Bronx that left one dead and five injured. We speak to NYPD's chief of transit to learn more about the situation.
0: Millions were impacted by the latest storm known as a nor'easter. Get an overview of its after effects.
1: And an animal shelter in New Jersey is trying a creative approach to celebrate Valentine's, raise money and control its feral cat population.
2: This is NTD Good Morning. Live from our global headquarters, here are Evelyn Lee and Kevin Hogan.
0: Welcome to NTD.
1: Welcome, everyone. Today is Wednesday, February 14th. Today's top news, the House of Representatives voted to impeach Homeland Security secretary, uh, secretary Alejandro Mayorkas yesterday. He's the first cabinet secretary to be impeached in close to 150 years.
0: Articles of impeachment will now be sent to the Senate. Senators are set to be sworn in as jurors after returning from recess at the end of this month. And today's Jeremy Sandberg has more.
3: On this vote, the yeas are 214 and the nays are 213. The resolution is adopted.
4: The House approved two articles of impeachment, accusing Mayorkas of willfully and systematically refusing to enforce immigration laws and making false statements to Congress on border security. Speaker Mike Johnson on X called the impeachment a constitutional obligation, claiming the DHS secretary was fueling the worst border catastrophe in American history. Three Republicans voted against the measure Representatives Mike Gallagher, Tom McClintock, and Ken Buck. Congressman Buck called it a policy difference after the vote, that in his view didn't qualify as high crime and misdemeanor. You can uh, try to put lipstick on this pig, it is still a pig, and this is a a terrible impeachment. It sets a terrible precedent. Buck says an impeachment needs to be broadly bipartisan, and that it was wrong for Johnson to bring the vote to the floor. Speakers need to be uh, above the fray, and they need to take into account the, the reputation of the institution. It's only the second time in US history, and the first time in close to 150 years, that the House has impeached a member of a President's cabinet. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer's office stated senators will be sworn in as jurors at the end of this month. The Democratic-led chamber is unlikely to oust Mayorkas, It would take a two-thirds majority vote. Schumer called the case a sham, and a new low for House Republicans done to appease former President Trump. House Majority Leader Steve Scalise, returning in remission from cancer, bolstered the GOP vote. He urged the Senate to take the impeachment seriously, People from,
16: uh, from, you know, on the terrorist watch list are coming over, human
4: trafficking is going on, drugs are being brought in uh, to the point where we're losing 150 people who are dying every single day from fentanyl. I mean, it's a major crisis. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene first started the impeachment effort in November last year. She will serve as an impeachment manager in a potential Senate trial.
5: My message to the Senate is they should look at the polling and they know that our border security is the number one issue in every single campaign in every single state.
4: Maricus, in a recent letter to Congress called for lawmakers to solve what he called a historically divisive issue through legislation. President Biden decried the vote as a blatant act of unconstitutional partisanship. The Department of Homeland Security after the House vote accused Republicans of trampling on the Constitution. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News.
1: Democrat Tom Swasey edged out Republican Mazzee Pillip in a
0: special election in New York. He flipped the seat, formerly occupied by ousted Republican George Santos.
4: Swasey won in New York's 3rd Congressional District on Tuesday. The seat's former occupant was Republican George Santos, who was expelled from Congress last year. This victory means the Democratic Party gains another seat in an already precariously balanced house. Despite the dirty tricks, despite the vaunted Nassau County Republican machine. We won. Tom Swazi previously served in the House of Representatives from 2017 to 2023 for the same district. He's a familiar face to Long Islanders, holding various positions in Nassau County in the last 30 years. His opponent, Republican County lawmaker, Mozzie Pillip, is lesser known, but she had the Nassau County Republican Party supporting her campaign. Both candidates are staunch supporters of Israel in its war against Hamas. The outcome of this special election will have a big impact on Capitol Hill, where the Republican majority is razor thin. During his campaign, Swazi focused on immigration. He declared his support for the bipartisan deal to address the border crisis and criticized Pilip for her opposition. Pilip took a hardline position on immigration. In her campaign, she criticized Swazi and the Democratic Party, accusing them of failing to control border crossings. She was also endorsed by a labor union for border patrol officers.
13: We are the fighters. Yes, we lost, but it doesn't mean we're going to end here.
4: With a record-setting number of illegal crossings, immigration has become a top issue leading up to the general election.
1: President Biden yesterday called on House Republicans to take up a supplemental spending bill that would send $60 billion to Ukraine.
0: The president said there's no question the bill would pass if brought to the House floor, urging House Speaker Mike Johnson to do so. FOR REPUBLICANS IN
2: CONGRESS WHO THINK THEY CAN OPPOSE FUNDING FOR UKRAINE AND NOT BE HELD ACCOUNTABLE, HISTORY IS WATCHING, HISTORY IS WATCHING, HISTORY IS WATCHING, FAILURE TO SUPPORT UKRAINE AT THIS CRITICAL MOMENT WILL NEVER BE FORGOTTEN.
1: THE SENATE YESTERDAY PASSED AN OVER $95 BILLION AID PACKAGE FOR UKRAINE, ISRAEL AND TAIWAN. THE VOTE CAME AFTER A SMALL GROUP OF REPUBLICANS OPPOSED TO THE BILL HELD THE SENATE FLOOR THROUGH THE NIGHT.
0: They used the final hours of debate to argue that the U.S. should focus on its own problems before sending more money overseas. But 22 Republicans voted with nearly all Democrats to pass the package 70 to 29. Bill supporters argued that abandoning Ukraine could
1: embolden Russian President Vladimir Putin and threaten national security across the globe. Biden said opposing the package would be, quote, playing into Putin's hands.
0: Speaker Johnson has signaled he won't bring the bill to the House floor, leaving its fate uncertain.
1: And Georgia Governor Brian Kemp weighed in on illegal migration yesterday.
0: He said he wants to help Texas Governor Greg Abbott stop people from crossing the U.S.-Mexico border without permission.
7: The crisis on the border is a national problem and it demands a national solution. But if the Biden administration continues to fail the American people, then we have no choice, no choice but to step in. Therefore, I'm announcing today that in additional to the Georgia Guardsmen already stationed at the border, we will send reinforcements to Texas this spring, who will assist with the construction of a forward command post on the border with Mexico.
1: Kemp said he'll send a team of 15 to 20 Guard members to build a forward command post for Texas Guard members.
0: The relatively modest announcement followed two days of debate at the Georgia Capitol in which Kemp and Republican lawmakers repeatedly denounced President Biden for trouble at the border. Democrats denounced
1: the moves as election year grandstanding. And over to Israel. Israel's military released security camera footage from a tunnel under Han Yunus yesterday. The IDF identified a man in the video as Hamas leader Yahya Sinwar.
0: Israel says the video was taken a few days after the Hamas October 7th terrorist attack.
1: IDF spokesman Daniel Hagari says the army is combing through intelligence files seized during operations. He says the IDF found multiple videos of Sinwar. He accused the Hamas leader in Gaza of hiding like a coward while people above ground suffer.
0: Hagari identified the other people in the video as Sinwar's wife, children and brother. The army also released a video of a tunnel compound where it says Sinwar recently hid.
1: The tunnel compound had a bathroom and kitchen with stockpiles of food including bags bearing logos of the UN Relief Agency in Gaza.
0: Coming up, a shooting in the Bronx subway left one dead and five injured. We speak to NYPD's Chief of Transit to gain some insight into the situation.
1: The latest round of winter storms blanketing the Northeast. How the snowy conditions affected millions.
0: And an animal shelter in New Jersey is trying a creative approach to celebrate Valentine's, raise money, and control its feral cat population. Get that story coming up. Welcome back and joining us now is NYPD Chief of Transit Michael Kemper to give us an update on the Bronx subway shooting on Monday.
1: That's right, so Chief Kemper there with the Bronx shootings uh, in the subway. What other updates can you give us today? Are there any leads in the case now?
12: So first off, good morning, thank you for uh, having me. So yeah, so uh, Monday afternoon in the Bronx uh, on a uh, a number four uh, platform, an elevated line. It was a uh, tragic uh, incident where six people were shot. Unfortunately, one of those individuals that was shot, a 35-year-old male, uh, died as a result. Uh, that investigation is moving forward quickly. Uh, significant progress has been made by detectives, and as I sit here right now, I'm, I'm very confident that, in short order, uh, there, there will be arrests.
0: Yes, and it's just so sad. Our hearts go out to the victims' families, and especially, hopefully, the injured will recover soon, like that 14-year-old girl who was also injured. So yeah. sad there. And you, you were right when you said that detectives need to make sure that if they do make an arrest, that there is this swift, immediate, and strong consequences through the judicial system. I want to switch gears. Can you tell us about the crime in the subway system more broadly? Yeah. Is it similar to what's happening in the streets and local precincts?
12: So I, I'll start off with 2023 uh, was a year of progress in the subway system. Uh, crime was down a little over 2.5%, which translates to 60 less Uh, major crime victims in the subway system, which is a good thing, something we're proud of. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and as we sit here right now in uh, 2024, we're, uh, you know, a month and change uh, into the uh, new year. Um, And listen, crime uh, is similar. Uh, There's similarities and differences. We often say the subway system is a city within a city, and it is. Mm. Four million, over four million riders a day use our subway system. It's the largest subway system uh, in, in the nation. Half the crime in a subway system uh, is grand larcenies, which is property thefts, pickpockets, people leaving property unattended. So uh, just about 50% of all crime in a subway system is just that.
1: Right. And it's interesting because then now transit crime has been increasing, especially when we talk about the numbers uh, that came out about uh, January this year compared (laughs) to January last year. It's been up almost 50 percent. And it's uh, some random assaults that are happening. So tell me a little more about, you know, the challenges that come with tackling that, especially as a chief of transit.
12: So, yeah, so the start of the year, January, was a challenging month for us. We were up. Uh, But look, we're uh, in February 14th. Uh, second week of February. February uh, has been a better month, Uh, so we're not up 50% year-to-date, and we had a tough month. Uh, This month, hopefully, uh, it will make a major correction, and moving forward, uh, we hope to have, uh, you know, more progress, uh, more better results. But uh, listen, uh, significant number of cops assigned to the subway system, uniform presence and plainclothes presence, and I'm sure you're Viewers see them uh, on the platforms, riding the trains at the turnstiles, and uh, just an amazing group of cops that are really, really working hard toward public safety in the subway system.
0: Yeah, and we'll take all the good news we can get here in this respect. And is there anything that riders can do to feel safer when taking the subway?
12: Yeah, just be mindful of your surroundings as you would be uh, walking down a street. You you walk into a subway station, um, you, you get on a train, Uh, I I would recommend going on a train that's occupied. If something doesn't seem right or feel right, trust your gut, call us, let us know, let us come triage the situation. And as I mentioned before, property crime, property theft is the number one crime in the subway system. Mm -hmm. Secure your valuables.
1: Yeah, right, yeah. so we learned uh, no valuables in the back, pockets or anything like that. Well, also, um, some recent updates were that now there is the How Many Stops Act. So what that basically is is it's meant to improve data collection efforts by the police. So the city council, just for some context, overrode a veto by the mayor actually to get that passed so to, and to st- establish this. So I want to ask you about your take on this. How is this uh, helping to serve the public
12: interest? So look, the mayor, the police commissioner, uh, were, were clear. They did not support uh, this bill the way it was written. Uh, you know, they call you know, the, uh, the How Many Stops Act. This, is, this was never about stopping. This is all about level one uh, engagements. This is all like just asking questions. I'll give you an example. Um, a police officer is called to a uh, missing child. Uh, mom gives a picture of their missing child and now the police officers go out with the photo and they start asking people, have you seen this missing child? Each person that they talk to Uh, and ask that question, they then have to stop and collect information and do paperwork. You know, it's, wouldn't their time be better served at the task at hand, looking for that missing child rather than collecting info uh, or information on everyone they're stopping? And, and, you know, theoretically, there could be hundreds of people uh, that are asked, have you seen this child? And we could take that example and apply it toward just about everything a police officer does. But look, the bill was passed. Uh, The bill doesn't uh, come into effect, I believe, until uh, July. Uh, So we have a few months to uh, hopefully work on on the wording um, and make some modifications if that could be uh, uh, done. But listen, we're the police department, uh, and the law is the law, and that's what we do. We follow the law.
0: New York's finest, and Chief Kimber, to your point, how will this affect the community engagement that these officers can commit to? And is this keeping officers from doing what they signed up for, patrolling the train and the subway system, keeping people safe?
12: Yeah, listen, listen, our our cops are a dynamic uh, group, uh, an amazing group, and they'll adapt and and overcome anything that comes their way. Uh, But like I said, it takes time. Uh, It takes time away from doing the task at hand. What's your name? What is your gender? Uh, and then taking that information and then putting that uh, into a, a database, if you will, to, you know, collecting that information. It's time-consuming uh, where their time could probably, uh, I'm sure you'll agree, your, your viewers will agree, be better served uh, doing police work.
1: Right. And on that note, thank you so much for taking time this morning, bright and early, to answer those questions. Chief yeah. Kemper, I appreciate it. Thank, thank you, you.
12: Thank you so much.
0: And over to weather, the powerful, fast-moving winter storm hit the Northeast, dumping more than a foot of snow on parts of New England yesterday after ending New York City's snow drought. The weather created a messy commute for millions of Americans, forcing schools to close and canceling flights across the region. At least one person has died.
11: More than 30 million people from West Virginia to New England were under a winter storm warning on Tuesday, according to the National Weather Service. Some areas in Pennsylvania, New Jersey and Connecticut were hit with 15 inches of snow. Nearly 150,000 Pennsylvania residents were without power, according to poweroutage.us. I was uh, in our house near our bedroom and my wife was actually up working already and we heard a crack and the crack is what gave it away. New Hampshire residents saw flooding and high waves on the coast.
10: Just with the flooding down here and stuff that we heard about, we came down to look at it and see how bad it actually is. I've never
12: seen this before. Yeah.
11: More than 1,100 flights to and from New York, Boston, and New Jersey airports were delayed or canceled, according to FlightAware.com. The National Weather Service said Boston received less snow than predicted, with southern Massachusetts getting the brunt of the storm. School districts across the region canceled classes for the day or switched to remote learning, including in New York City. The three to eight inches of snow there ended in almost two year long snow drought. Some people enjoyed the weather.
13: Uh, The kids are happy because they're off school today. Um, And maybe tomorrow if it keeps snowing like this. It's a great snow though because make a snowball. It's a wet, wet snow. (laughs) So it's fun snow. I enjoy
14: the weather today. A lot. i um, kind of happy our boss gave us the day off um, just so we can enjoy the way that the waves are moving and you know whether the snow comes or it just rains I just I'm excited by nature's power.
11: State and city governments advise people to stay indoors and avoid driving. In Pennsylvania one man died when his snowmobile hit a downed power
0: line.
1: A car crashed into the emergency room of a hospital in Austin, Texas yesterday.
0: Officials say the driver died on the scene and that several others were injured.
1: The crash happened at St. David's Medical Center around 5.30 p.m. local time. Four people were transported to other hospitals, including an adult and a child in critical condition.
0: A video from inside the medical center just moments after the crash shows hospital staff and patients rescuing one of the victims from a pile of rubble. Officials say the driver
1: was removed from the vehicle and given CPR, then pronounced dead. Austin police believe the incident was not intentional and said there is no threat to the general public. And authorities in Kansas believe they've cracked the case of who destroyed a statue of baseball legend Jackie Robinson.
0: Wichita police say Ricky Alderarte is facing charges, including felony theft and aggravated criminal damage to property.
1: Authorities say this doesn't appear to be a hate related crime. The 45 year old was apparently trying to make money by selling the scrap metal from the sculpture.
0: Wichita police say they plan on making additional arrests related to the incident.
1: A GoFundMe account to raise money for a replacement statue has raised nearly $200,000. And in a switch of topic, today, of course, is Valentine's Day. And why not share some love to animals today as well?
0: An animal shelter is attempting to maintain New Jersey's cat population. They're offering a unique campaign for Valentine's Day. And today's David Lamb has the story. While many pets have owners,
8: there are actually some, unfortunately, in the U.S. that are wild and don't have people taking care of them. Now that's where one New Jersey animal shelter is trying to make a difference on Valentine's Day. This animal shelter launched a Neuter Your Ex campaign for Valentine's Day to help control the overpopulation of feral cats in the area.
14: For a $50 donation, uh, really anyone can um, send in the name
0: of one of their exes. um, And what we'll do is we'll name a community cat after that person, first names or, or nicknames only. As a result, the
8: Homeward Bound Pet Adoption Center in New Jersey now has many Jeffs, Mikes, Ians and Tylers roaming in Camden County. There's an estimated 60 to 100 million feral cats in the country according to a National Library of Medicine article.
10: We keep any cats that are feral and really don't want to socialize
0: or interact with humans. We try to keep them in a really quiet area to reduce stress before they go back out to the community.
8: The center's director says overpopulation of stray cats is a huge problem not only in the U.S. but also around the world. The center takes in over 3,000 cats annually.
0: We have a lot of the cats that are um, towards the back of their cages, um, very, very, um, you know, stressed and tense in the shelter environment. In
8: 2023 alone, the shelter's workers trapped, neutered and returned over 600 cats. The shelter is always looking for people willing to adopt or foster an animal. The Neuter Your Ex campaign was proposed by one of their volunteers. Due to the community's enthusiasm, it will be extended past Valentine's Day. According to shelter animals count, many shelters across the country are operating at overcapacity, and that's because in 2023, more than 6.5 million animals went into rescue organizations and shelters. David Lamb, NTD News.
0: Yeah, you got to keep that population in check. That's right. And neuter your ex. <laughs>
1: That's clever, and I'm not surprised that it was so well-received. It was funny. All right, Uh, we have to wrap our show now, but we'll keep you updated, of course, with the latest information. Stay tuned for our News Today broadcast at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee.
0: And I'm Kevin Hogan.